All right, so good morning, everyone. My name is Ainsley Thomas. I'm the Chief Diversity Officer at uh, Hudson Valley Community College. I have Zoe O'Bray on the line, as well as uh, she's the Technical Assistant at the College for the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, as well as Tanya Hannibal-Williams, our Community Outreach Specialist uh, from the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion um, at Hudson Valley Community College, and our guest, our first <laughs> guest of our podcast. Hey. We've asked her to join us this morning to talk yeah. about some of the challenges that we're facing in our community, as well as a little introduce, uh, have her introduce ourselves to our audience and talk about some of the challenges that she might be observing uh, regarding COVID-19 and um, the impact that's having on the community, as well as the religious community and so forth. Um, just a little bit about Michelle. Uh, she was a, was a chaplain at uh, Hudson Valley Community College, mm -hmm. and uh, she moved on. So um, just... Just give us a little background about yourself, Michelle. Sure. Uh, so I, yes, as Ainsley said, I was the chaplain at Hudson Valley for um, just about three years. And um, around my 11th or 12th year of actually serving in higher ed in the Office of Spiritual Life at various colleges throughout the Capital Region. Um, and... I am a native of the Capital Region. I lived away for a long time, moved back um, in the early 2000s and have my master's degree in theology um, with a focus on uh, cultural understanding and, and embracing various voices and cultures. So. Oh, very well, very good. I didn't realize you had a master's in um. Well, you focus on cultural understanding. That's why you do what you do so well, apparently. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, Michelle was instrumental in our um, first um, interfaith community forum that um, was um, called for by Dr. Ramsamy, who's the president of Hudson Valley Community College. Um, Dr. Ramsamy believes that the college has a role in, you know, being very connected to the community and addressing the needs of the community. So Michelle, um, based on your experience with the First in the Faith Community Forum, well, can you tell us what, um, what uh, was memorable, memorable for you, uh, inviting all those faith leaders from the community to the college to share their um, um, understanding of what the challenges are and how we can help them address them? Sure. Um, I would say that, I mean, and I, not only for myself, but I've heard, I heard this from participants in the months following the forum and the plans even for the second forum that we ultimately had it um, canceled due to the pandemic, but um, it was the opportunity to gather. I mean, and, and for folks to get around uh, a table with their peers, but also people of various faith traditions to talk about the needs that they are seeing in the community. Um, and to just talk about shared practices and um, share resources with one another and build connections where they may not have connections already. Um, I think that those were definitely things that I heard echoed, not only immediately following the day, like I said, but um, in the months following, uh, people really appreciated a chance to, to sit around the table and, and, and talk about those things. And I think also, um, the other part that was underscored, again, especially as we followed through with a second forum, is that not only did they share those feelings, 
those feelings were then followed up upon, which I think is the critical piece, right? You know, we all say, and it's true, talk is cheap. It's really where your action <laughs> lies. True, true. Good, good. All right. Um, so when you were on campus, you were able to create a space for all denominations and free thinkers to access and have their moment. Uh, what Was that an idea that you developed because of the diverse body at Hudson Valley? Yeah, well, group? yeah, I mean, as I um, said, my master's degree was really in cultural, um, embracing cultures, embracing various voices, um, and the the interfaith prayer space um, had, I didn't name it that, it was named that already, uh, but I just felt like it was incredibly important to make sure it was a place that everybody, not just students, faculty, staff, employees, um, could find a place for rest and solitude. Um, you know, the days on a college campus are harried and hectic, uh, they're long, um, and, you know, providing a space for people to, you know, I was very clear with anybody that walked in, like, if you need to take a nap, all I ask is that you take your shoes off and don't <laughs> put them on the chair, like, right. take a nap. Um, and, and no eating in the chapel or in the interfaith prayer space. Um, but yeah, just making it a place of comfort because, you know, I realize, like I said, I've been doing this for, uh, you know, over 12 years, 13 years, um, quote unquote church or a place of prayer is not always a comfortable place for everybody. Sometimes it is a place of solitude, but then, you know, sometimes it's a place of, that causes a lot of anxiety and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, the religion hasn't always been great in embracing um, people of various faiths, traditions, voices, points of view. Um, and so, you know, I think people struggle with that. Right, and so creating a place where people feel welcome was really important. Yeah, that, that is so true. I mean, there are times when I would walk by and I would see people in there, I would go take a look and it was just very peaceful and serene in their meditation. Um, I've seen people of different faith in there. I've even gone in there just to sit down, um, just to like enjoy the, embrace the peace that I felt when I stepped in that space. So it, right. it definitely served a purpose and even, after you were no longer on campus, I would see students still go in there and using that mm -hmm. space as well. So it was definitely a very um, uh, instrumental place in um, having pe helping people, you know, become in tune with themselves or address their needs yeah. in some way. And, but, and it's also, I mean, there's always work to be done. It's also um, a place on campus that so many people do not know about. And so making sure that it is a space that people are aware of is also the important part. All right, good. Thank you, thank you. Um, you've moved from Hudson Valley, unfortunately, and are currently working for WMHT. Yes. Uh, what is your new role requiring you to do now? So I'm the coordinator of community engagement, and I should, as for those who don't know, WMHT studios are um, literally a stone's throw from Hudson Valley. So I, I wave mm. hello every time I drive by, or I was driving by when I was going to work. Um, so, but I'm the coordinator of community engagement at WMHT, and really, I'm doing so much of what I've been doing already um, in the past, even working in spiritual life on college campuses like Hudson Valley, where I'm listening, I'm listening to needs, I'm providing connections, 
Uh, I'm, you know, connecting people in the community to various resources. Uh, and that's, that's really what I did as a chaplain, right? I right. connected people. I listened to people. I, um, you know, provided spiritual support where needed to, but um, I think that I still do that. You know, maybe not so overtly, but I think I, I still am even providing that in some ways. But yeah, that's as a community engagement coordinator, I'm looking at ways to to really string um, projects that are happening at the at the station, um, string them together so that there is a cohesive piece and working with various parties to make that happen. That is wonderful. You know why? Because we just brought in Tanya um in our office yeah. as the community specialist to really assist in us trying to get more connected with resources in the community uh, or groups in the community and it's fun that you're both kind of doing similar things um you know maybe Tanya, yeah, can Tanya share we should connect you know um like are there any specific projects that you're working on right now with the community to see how um WMHT can leverage their relationship or well, um, yeah, so one of the things that, excuse me, one of the things that we started doing when schools closed, secondary schools closed, is um, in coordin coordination with Capital Region BOCES, we started doing an on-air broadcast of programming. So we are, let's see, this coming Monday will be week 10 of that on-air broadcast. Uh, and it's 12 hours a day of PBS-based uh, learning. So like NOVA and American Masters and American Experience and um, everything of that nature. Uh, and, you know, we really did it in a response to remote learning needs, but then also the, um, the equity and inclusion and access piece, right? Uh, not everybody has streaming capabilities at home. Um, not everybody can, uh, or maybe has one computer that is needed by parents who are working. Um, so that's been airing on our world channel. WMHT has three channels in, um, in our area. Um, and 12 hours a day for Monday through Friday for almost 10 weeks now, we've been doing that programming. And then I've been doing um, pulling supplemental learning content too that supports all that programming. Um, you know, and of course, this is in conjunction with uh, what teachers are providing as well for their students. Um, but it really is a response that we put together, um, you know, for the need that we were hearing about that equity and access piece. And I should also say, so there's eight other PBS stations uh, in New York, and every single PBS station in New York is doing it. And pretty much every PBS station throughout the country is doing this programming and providing the service. Um, and now, so we're looking at the uh, conclusion of the school year in June, right here, it ends in June. And um, we are looking at, uh, let's see, we're looking at doing a summer offering and how to uh, offer and embrace summer learning. Okay, so this programming that you're offering, it's um, this educational programming um, is geared towards what age group? 
So it is geared to, well, it's geared toward really anyone. Um, I mean, adults can watch it too, because it's really informative programming, but it's geared from fourth through 12th grade specifically. And then we have a 24 hour PBS kids channel. So if you have little ones in the house, so that's like pre-K through um, three or four, uh, grades three or four, um, we have things like, you know, Arthur and Daniel Tiger and, you know, our, our regular, like our, our, you know, our gold standard of PBS uh, kids programming. So that still remains as 24 hours a day on our 24 um, hour channel. Um, okay. But yeah, so it's fourth through eighth or fourth through 12th grade. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. The radio stations, Michelle, are they doing a programming that's the radio stations? Are they doing any programming that's different? Um, in light of what's happening with well um so we have so we also we're a, a, a dual um station right so we have tv and radio and so we have um like our classical station and then our rock and roll station and we are not um they've been doing special programming you know they're not doing necessarily educational programming that complements that but they are doing and and have been hearing from listeners in about the importance of uh, having those stations still play music and all of the people that work for the radio stations have been you know putting all of those shows on air in their basements and in their closets at home um, <laughs> and just like makeshift workspaces nobody is in the studio we even have wow. you know our, our public policy uh, station which our public policy show New York now um, which is not only used locally, but, you know, uh, serves all of New York State and our um, host and producer of that. He, he has an office at the Capitol. He's been going to the governor's um, pressers every day. I think I was talking to him the other day. I think there's been 78 press conferences and he's gone to 68 of them. So 10 or so have been, you know, in other places in New York State um, and uh, providing, you know, the, the needed information and services through that uh, public policy show and political show that it is. So, well, not, it's wow. not political, it's a, it's an information show. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. So uh, you, just another um, thing, you know, you had asked, so what are we working on? And like I had mentioned, we're talking about the summer and how to, uh, how to meet the needs for summer learning. Um, we're talking about, uh, we have somebody who does a lot of face-to-face -face programming at places like libraries and um, centers for economic opportunity and the Boys and Girls Club and things like that for families. It's family engagement, <clears throat> young kids and families. And so uh, we're looking at and have been in the process of looking at how to do that programming in a new way um, so that because those places either are not going to open their doors or they're not gonna have large gatherings or you know what, all of those things. Uh, so we're looking at ways to you know, provide that service still to the community, but doing it in a, in a different way through um, family engagement activity packs, um, family engagement learning calendars, you know, um, virtual story times, things of that nature, so. Wow, good. You know, yeah. this this pandemic has caused us to be really creative in our thinking 
and um, you know, force people to really get out of their comfort zone and um, be more dynamic in their presentation. You know, um, right. so it's definitely um, changing the way we do business and how we communicate. And you know, we uh, I definitely see this going in a, a progressive direction. You know, unfortunately, our second interfaith community forum was canceled because uh, we were trying to get together more religious, uh, more more faith organizations to try and like show them what we've been doing, that we've been implementing mm-hmm. some of their uh, their ideas. Their initiatives. And um, but from your experience, um, like, have you observed any challenges the faith community might be experiencing right now that you can share? Well, um, I would say, I mean, like everyone else, um, the the lack of the ability to gather, right, um, for services has been, um, I think. I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, but it's definitely something that people are missing, right? Because Mm -hmm. um, church really means community, right? Church is not the building. It's the people who are gathered in the building that make church. So um, that, that community piece, while, I mean, you know, uh, churches and uh, places of worship have been very, uh, like, as you just said, creative in their response, right? Doing um, Facebook live streaming of services and things of that nature, which is great. Um, but it does lack that community piece, that connectivity piece. Um, so I would say that that's one of the things that I'm hearing. But then also a lot of places of uh, with a faith-based um, mission serve the most vulnerable, serve uh, the people who are on the margins of society and they, you know, they were already serving large populations of folks in our area. And I think that, and, you know, I've heard tangentially, but I know that it's, it's very true um, that they're seeing an overwhelming number of folks need the services that they provide through food pantries, um, through emergency shelter, through um, things of that nature, right? So those numbers have only grown and, um, you know, uh, the ever-present challenge to meet those needs, um, Uh I think is something that's really only going, sadly going to continue, you know, as as the fallout of job loss um, happens and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, um, I, I want to thank you for spending some time with us this morning and actually launching our uh, first podcast. Um, yes, we appreciate your your, um, your the information that you've shared. We're excited for you, your new opportunity. I know Tanya is excited about collaborating with you since you're both doing community outreach, and um, you know we want to continue Dr. Ramsamy's mission of trying to actually have uh, Hudson Valley be the community's college. Uh, we want to let um, our audience know that they can reach us on Instagram, HVCC underscore O-D-E-I, as well as our Facebook, um, H- at HVCC O-D-E-I. Again, Facebook, at HVCC O-D-E-I. Thank you all. How can we reach Michelle? Michelle, how can we, how can the audience reach you? They need to connect with you as well. You can go to WMHT.org uh, and look for um, 
me under community engagement. There's my, my email addresses there. Uh, if you want to find out about the home classroom initiative that we are doing, go to wmht.org slash home classroom. There's the weekly schedules and support materials that are there. Um, and I can also send that information to you, Ainsley, uh, and you can, can share it if you need, you know, how you see Phil. Definitely great. Thank you all and Thank you. have a great day. Thank you. Good to see you all. You too. Take care of yourself. Take care.